Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Happy New Year. <laughs> a little <Yeah>. late. <laughs> yeah, yes, and it has been a new year. <laughs> okay. Oh, or is it since, uh, of course, we were supposed to record and released an episode actually a couple of weeks ago yeah right at the beginning of january but then all everything fell apart all heck <laughs> <we're up close. laughs> uh, yeah and for for you and for me uh yeah. more you than me i was just say but it's just uh covid this strand of covid uh has been way worse i would have to say than previous uh previous two i don't know how many there are the well, as far one. as the spread was concerned yes symptom symptom wise it hasn't been as bad yeah but it's like everybody and their mother in my church got covid at the same time and so a couple weeks ago as we were preparing and trying to figure out what we we're going to do for the newest episode i uh, discovered that my senior pastor had covid and my worship pastor was sick and he never tested positive but we found out on wednesday so I started writing my sermon, <laughs> and um, when when Ryan, uh, when you reached out to me to make sure that we were on the same page, I was like, dude, we're not recording this week. I just had a snowstorm of life hit me in the face, <laughs> and we got to focus on the, our, our ministry here. And I remember your response was like, oh, phew, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, like I, I haven't gotten it yet. Uh, knock on wood, but I, t me and my wife have been talking about, about it. So there's probably no way we're going to escape, uh, the COVID this time around of how okay. contagious it is. Because I, we, again, we had, um, a, one of, one of our, our children's pastor is actually a, a wrestling coach and he has like 30 or 40 kids mm. on his team. And literally all of them either had COVID or exposed to COVID except for four. So he's sitting there calling um, the coach from the other team that week they were supposed to do a match with. He's like, dude, I have four. I'm willing to keep on going, even though we're going to lose in almost every single weight class. I uh, <laughs> had to forfeit, but I'm, eh. of course, the other coach was like, sure. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's just nuts. I, I, I had, I had only uh, like a fraction of my students show up uh, two weeks ago because of COVID. It's just insane uh, right now. And of course, this past Sunday, we had a big, huge snowstorm, uh, which was awesome for my kids. But, it, but where I live, uh, it's even though I live closer to the mountains now, but we live in the foothills of North Carolina, so so it doesn't. Big snows don't happen often. It snows, but not big snows don't happen mm -hmm. often. 
And so, of course, our city doesn't have the capability to scrape all this junk off the road. Uh, so I've been stuck at home, uh, working from home and doing what I can and not be able to get out. And finally, yesterday, the roads were just good enough for me to kind of get out, get, wow. to, get to work. And, of course, today it's, it's good. And then we're expecting more snow, possibly, uh, on Friday. So this, this whole entire cycle of, uh, of being snowed in may happen all over again. Yeah, I've learned as a pastor now um, that not only do I hate snow because it's of my childhood tra- trauma, but uh, snowing on the weekends means you don't get to see your people. And that stinketh. <laughs> Last Sunday, uh, we, I, I got in my car and I drove to church and our roads were salted. Um, they had the brine solution out already. And by the time we left church, it had, it had snowed. And this was like a Virginia type snow. So it was pathetic, but just dangerous <laughs> enough for the Southerners to freak out and stay home. So um, we, uh, and it's not like it wasn't anything. Like we had to cancel our PM stuff because by the time we got to the PM, the roads were wet enough that when it hit below 32, everything would ice over. And now it's dangerous to drive on a backcountry road. So we're now looking at anywhere, depending on the model, uh, we're looking at anywhere from half an inch to 14 inches of snow (laughs) this weekend, which means uh, Saturday we may end up having a snowball fight at the church. Who knows? Uh, but Sunday, who knows what's going to happen. And uh, we're definitely not doing anything in the PM if it has snowed because it might be warm enough in the day to drive. But once it gets below 30, it is so dangerous on our our country roads to to drive. Plus, there's the people that don't know how to drive when it's dry. So that doesn't help. <laughs> which is which is actually a lot of people. And, and, and of course, around I, I'm not sure around your area, David, but of course, our area is is a a hot spot for people to retire. Mm-hmm. So you have people from all over the country kind of like cuddling up and coming to uh, around Morganton area, Morganton, North Carolina, which run right outside Ashfield. And so because of that, you deal with a lot of people who can't drive in the snow. So it's, it's funny. It's funny to watch. You're, you're driving along. You see a car in the ditch, car mm-hmm. in the ditch, car in the ditch. Uh, then you're, then you see my children's pastor with his little, uh, Jeep and his, uh, I forget what he called the little, uh, witch, the front, uh, just getting people off the road, helping them out. Yeah. See, I live in a County that there's a, a large truck population, so they think they can handle it. So when you're driving down the road, you see a truck in the ditch and another truck in the ditch and another truck in the ditch. And I'm like, yep, you thought you had it, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, Anyway, I'm excited about our topic today. Our topic today is something that I am deeply passionate about. And Mm -hmm. David, I know that you're deeply passionate about this as well. Mm -hmm. And that is helping parents and resourcing them to be the primary discipler in their home. Uh, And I'm super excited about our conversation today. and David, how about you introduce who we're talking to today? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it too, especially since uh, this is something that applies to families, especially if they get snowed in. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is actually a friend of mine. Um, he's a doctor now, and uh, we'll find that out. But his name is Michael Giroux. And uh, we met at when I was doing my first uh, full-time ministry out in Roanoke, and he was an intern. And we talk about that in the episode, but he's got a passion for uh, for giving the tools and the help to parents to be the primary disciplers of their kids. Um, and because, you know, uh, 
some people may say this goes without saying, but parents know their children better than we do. They're their kids. Uh, they live with them. So um, it's helpful for, for us to be, to acknowledge that, but then also come alongside as a resource um, and an encouragement uh, to them. And so the conversation today, we delve into that. And I, I walked away from the conversation with Michael when we recorded this, just really encouraged and excited. Um, he's looking at um, setting things up in the future for him and a ministry um, that allows him to put out resources and help for parents as well. So I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully you guys will be encouraged by this. Uh, it's definitely one of those conversations that helps you um, realize that you're not doing this alone. And we don't have to do it alone. Parents don't have to do it alone. We can come together on the same team uh, to disciple our students and to push them towards Jesus. guys. Uh, Glad to be back on the podcast today. And I'm excited because I get to interview a friend of mine who, when we first met, uh, I had just started my first ever full-time ministry position at a church. And he was an intern at another church uh, with a uh, a youth pastor who became a mentor of mine. And now, seven years later, he is Dr. Michael Giroux. It's great to have you on today, man. Thanks, David. I'm excited to be on today. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, before we get into uh, what we're talking about today, why don't you give everybody just a heads up on who you are, what you've been up to lately, and uh, what's been going on during the pandemic for you? Yeah. So uh, as you said, uh, you know, I'm Dr. Michael Giroux now, so that's probably been the biggest thing lately. I just uh, graduated a few months back, surprisingly. Uh, But through the pandemic, I uh, just recently moved to a different church. I moved from Deerfield Beach, Florida, up to Paducah, Kentucky, which big culture change. And uh, a very crazy time. And actually, there's about a 10 month period in between where I didn't have a job and I couldn't find one, you know, just with pandemic, not a lot of churches were hiring. So I started my own woodworking business. And that's how I paid my way for a while and paid the bills and then God opened the door for me to come here. So that's what we've been doing here. And then uh, I'm married with my wife who we've been married about three ish years now. I uh, <laughs> can't give the exact date. She'll she'll love that when she hears this later. Uh, and then I have a 18 month old son and another one is on the way. So So nice and exciting times. So you have an 18 month old. That means you have a coronial. Yep. I have a coronial. (laughs) I have two coronials really. And that means 13 years from now, we'll see the rise of the quarantines. Uh, never ending dad joke. Well, (laughs) well, Hey man, I'm really glad you're here. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to schedule this. I know that, uh, things are crazy right now, but uh, I know moving to a new church, uh, even if you've been there for a few months, it it still just feels like gas pedal to the floor trying to figure everything out. And um, But I'm excited because uh, what we're talking about today is uh, something that I think even in the conversations that you and I have had recently, um, it seems to me that the churches are starting to, starting to wake up a little bit to understand the importance of it. Uh, and it's that uh, it's not necessarily the church's job only to disciple the students. It is primarily the parent's job. And so what the church can do is come alongside and assist in doing that. 
and that is what your doctoral project was on. So why don't you take a minute and explain, first of all, what's the difference between a doctoral thesis and a doctoral project, and then kind of the setup for that? Yeah, so the big difference with a thesis versus the project is really how it's done. The thesis is a very research-driven and, and one big, long you know, thesis, just as you expect from most colleges. The project side was something new they just started. And instead of having to write one big, long paper, uh, it was broken up into four micro projects. So for my micro projects, we got to select from a big list of things. So for me, I made a blog, I hosted a workshop, I created a website, and then I made a strategic ministry plan for actually launching this into a ministry. So instead of having to write one big, long paper, I did practical things that I could use. And then my last class is just bringing it all together into one project that we can submit. So that's yeah. kind of how the project went. And, and the reason that I picked the topic that I picked was because as I've grown up in ministry, I've gotten the opportunity to see a lot of different youth ministries. And uh, when I was in college is when I started learning about the history of youth ministry. And, and, and most of us on here know, uh, if you've listened to Doc Brown's podcast, he talks about the history of youth ministry as well. And it started out as Young Life and Young Life eventually made its way into the church, basically. And and the youth group that started looked just like Young Life. It was it was very exciting. People loved it. And then there began to be a switch to this purpose-driven youth ministry where there, there needed to be a purpose. It wasn't all about just having fun and entertainment. And, and what eventually started happening there is I think that as time has gone on, youth ministry has continued to develop and to develop more and more. And what kind of led up to is in the 2000s, we began to see this movement of partnering with parents. And, and Orange Curriculum and Reggie Joyner really coined this term and, and have stuck to it and used it. And in my experience in ministry, I, I got the opportunity to serve in different churches. I saw some that were very entertainment driven, you know, almost that young life feel still, you know, in my youth ministry growing up with uh, Dr. Rick Harris, who's my youth pastor, we got to see really purpose driven youth ministry. He was very purposeful in relationships, what he taught to us, what we did. And then when I got to do an internship at a church up in Spotsylvania, Virginia, uh, I got to see one that was very partner with parents focused. And, and one of the things I've learned through that is, is I've realized that youth ministry is just evolving and evolving. And when I first found partnering with parents and that idea of orange curriculum and, and what all they kind of do there, I really began to uh, fall in love with that idea of ministry and, and really develop who I am as a pastor around that. And, and as I started developing that and, and getting my own experience of being a pastor myself and serving, I began to realize that that partnering with parents is great, but that there's a little bit of an issue to it. it. It's great for resourcing. It's great for telling them what I, as the pastor, am teaching to their kids, but it's, it's not really telling them and giving them resources on how for them to be the primary disciplers. It's, it's used the youth pastor discipling and then giving them information and saying, hey, this is what I've been teaching your kids and ask these questions to have a conversation at home. So that's kind of where I began to think about it. It was actually in uh, my last youth ministry class. I remember just thinking like, I don't know where youth ministry is going from here. Like you can see this evolution happening and there's a next step. And, and where does it happen from here? Where does it go? And I think I started thinking about it back then. And it really was when I started my doctor, I was like, what am I going to do for research? Like, trying to come up with ideas, probably the worst part of the whole entire <laughs> yeah. project. And then I finally decided, hey, you know, this is something that's important to me, especially as a new father. I, I want to have a plan on how am I going to disciple 
my child. And with that, I, I should be using that to also say, how can I help the parents of my ministry disciple their children? Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting um, switch to go from the mentality of I'm the expert, here's what I'm doing, parents, to honestly, they're the experts on their kids. So let me help them tool so that they're able to disciple their own kids uh, for years. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, but for years, I used to tell people that um, my job at the at the church with youth ministry was I, I, I told them to look at it like a vitamin supplement. Like you're getting your main meals from home, or at least you should be. <laughs> and uh, I'm just a vitamin to help you. And if all you're ever doing is coming to church and not doing anything else for the rest of the week, then you, you're trying to live off a supplement and that's not healthy. And then somebody came along who was older and wiser and had been in ministry for longer than me. And they said, that's not exactly a good way to put that. You're more of a compliment, not a supplement. Like you're not supposed to make up for what's missing. It's not your job. Your job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And uh, that's what got me excited about your project was seeing that you basically are an you're answering the question with it. How do I equip the saints for the work of the ministry? The specific saints being parents, the work of the ministry being discipling their students. So I got to ask, what was the most challenging part of going through this project and figuring out how to create this? No, I think the most challenging part for this project was just the lack of resources there are about this. Uh, you know, and, and funny enough, you know, if you use Google, you type in the word discipler, like being the primary disciple of your children, it wants to take you to discipline. Like it, it, it auto corrects to that and finding resources was challenging there, but then it's just challenging in general to just find good resources. Funny enough, the Catholics seem to have a decent understanding of this because there's a lot of Catholic books that were written by different Catholics there. Hmm. Uh, but I wasn't finding a lot written by uh, people within the Christian context and within, you know, the Baptist world that I live in. And mm -hmm. as I started to research, it, it really made me want to do this project more because I started saying, you know, well, if there's not resources for parents this way, like someone needs to create them and, and that someone might be me. But I just started to think, OK, how can I help fill this need? Yeah. Uh, and the funny thing is, um, if you ask people, are there resources out there for parents to disciple their kids? You're probably going to get a quick, oh, yeah, there's plenty of stuff out there. And I'm like, okay, what? What is it? Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. When you, when you look at a lot of the resources, there's a lot of them that boast about how great they do with their parent engagement of it. You know, I'm a huge advocate of Grow Curriculum. I love it. I've used Orange Curriculum. I've looked at Lifeway. We, I've used all the different ones that are kind of the major ones. They all have a parent element to it, but they're not necessarily focused on the parents teaching the kids. It's usually me teaching or my small group leaders teaching and then us giving some information to the parents. And, and that's the thing that really stuck out to me was there's all of these curriculums are meant for pastors to resource their parents, but there aren't really curriculums meant for pastors to equip their parents. Hmm. And, and that's where I really began my project to start thinking about what would it look like to change the culture of what youth ministry is in my church? And one of the ways that I really started to focus on and think about is how can I, what can I do? What can I give parents that are practical and easy for them to teach their kids? And I started to think, well, you no, know, I, I could write a curriculum that is focused on that, on 
them teaching their kids, a discipleship curriculum with a goal of it being something that they can have very experience driven uh, experiences with their parents, with, you know, the kids with their parents and the parents with their kids. And they can learn about the Bible, but not just learn about the Bible. Like we're going to read through this book together. We're going to read a specific part of the book, but being very intentional with that too. Uh, I was listening to uh, the orange or think orange podcast and Reggie Joyner said a great line about uh, ministry is one and loss in our strategy. All churches have great vision, great mission statement, but the strategy is, is really where it comes down to. And what I started to think about is I, I need to be strategic in what do I want them to learn through that? Not just, hey, I need to be equipping these parents so that they can read the Bible with their kids. That's great. They should be able to do a devotional with them. But also these kids need to learn theology. They need to learn to defend their faith. They need to learn how to share their faith. They need to learn the importance of belonging to a church, all those things. And, and that's where I've started to develop this curriculum. And, and that idea of this curriculum is really burning. That's awesome, dude. So I'm looking forward to when you're done with it, because I'll probably buy it if it's for sale. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, but I, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm excited as a parent, because I've got six kids, another one on the way. So uh, I definitely any tool resource I can get my hands on I'm totally on board with that. Uh, but I can imagine a parent out there saying, well, what if we don't have time to do this? Like what is this going to take up a lot of time? Like what, when, as you did your research, what was the time factor when you looked at the, what the typical day or the typical week looks like in a family? What was the, what, what's the time issue that we're up against here? Yeah, I think time is a major factor, but one of the things you have to realize is that nobody has more time with these these children and these teenagers than the parents. Mm -hmm. And there's so many other things that we as parents are willing to commit our time to, you know, taking our kids to soccer, you know, taking them to this, making sure we can do this. We fill our schedules up. And I think that if you're intentional and in setting aside time once a week is my goal. I, you know, I thought about saying this should be a daily thing or, or something like that. But what I really think is a once a week uh, lesson, because it's, it's a lot easier to commit to one hour once a week than it is, hey, we need to study every single night for an hour. So my goal was to create something that's practical as well, because I'm the type of person I tell my teenagers all the time, look, I don't expect you to sit down and read the Bible for an hour every single day. If it's three minutes and that and you can get something out of it and that's all you can squeeze in your time, then do three minutes because that's better than nothing. Three is more than zero. Three is more than zero, I think. <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope so. Yeah, I, I think I would agree um with that approach. Now, uh I'm sure there's gonna be somebody that, that's hearing this and going, but they need to be in the word every day. Y yes, I, I think we'd agree with that. And you literally just said that, but if I if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're what you're driving at is um, the one hour a week thing being uh, where a parent were to spend some time with their students specifically about a particular form of growth or a topic or like a theological discussion, not like the everyday quiet time stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. It'd be a more intentional discipleship. You know, discipleship isn't necessarily you has have to read the Bible together every single day together and talk about it together. But I think it needs to be an intentional time where you say, hey, let's talk about what have you been reading this week? You know, it, it would expand beyond just a lesson. It would also be a follow up on like, you know, how did this spiritual discipline go for you this week? Did you were you able to practice that? 
having real and honest conversations because one of the things that's so true is that discipleship relationship is something that's so influential to keeping teenagers around. And I was looking at research from Barna when I was originally starting this project. And one of the things they talk about is the reasons that teenagers stay connected to the church. And out of, you know, the students stay connected, 85% of them have a, had a mentor or disciple, like a discipleship relationship with someone. And my immediate thought was like, that number should be so much higher. And, and then when I started really digging the research, I realized that wasn't their parents discipling them. That's someone else in the church. And, and I started to see an issue with that thinking, why does it have to be someone else in the church? Are we taking these intentional decisions and are we, are we being intentional in saying, this is my kid, I want to disciple him? Or are we really great at sitting there and saying, this is my kid, I'm going to show him how to live as a Christian by my actions. And I think there's a difference with those two things that we have to sit down and focus on of, am I just going to show him what it means to be a Christian or am I actually going to teach him? Because what I was brought back to with my project was sort of Abraham and Isaac. Hmm. How did Isaac learn about God? Abraham. Abraham. Like it boils down to the simple basics of the Bible. It, it wasn't passed down on a book. It was, it was passed down from father to son. And, and that simple fact is, is kind of what I'm basing this around is the fact that let's go back to old school. Let's, let's go back to the fact that me as a father, I have a responsibility to teach both of my, my son and my unborn son that's coming soon. I have a responsibility to teach them mm -hmm. and, and beyond just, Hey, you need to believe in Jesus and you need to go to church. I, I have a responsibility to make sure they know how to share their faith. They know how to defend their faith. They know what it means to become like Jesus. And, and that's where I'm focusing on because I think for someone like me and you that have gone through our theological training, gone to seminary, you know, gotten degrees, it's pretty easy for us to sit down with the Bible and, and know what topics we want to teach mm -hmm. to our kids. But how many like people that haven't gone to school like that can sit down and list, you know, the different theologies and Christology and, you know, all of the different things that we try to learn with systematic theology and how many parents can just list those things or, or really understand them enough to teach them. So that's where I really want that curriculum to be a resource for them. Yeah. And, and that I think addresses because the, the first thing that popped into my mind as you were talking about that was the what about the parent that looks at this all and goes, OK, yeah, I get the concept. I'm supposed to be the one discipling my kids. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'm not even a good Christian myself. <laughs> you know, like I'm barely hanging on. So how, how would you encourage a parent who I, I let me let me give you two different types of parents. One is the parent that understands I need to do this and I just need help. The other parent is the one that's like, uh, I guess it's a good idea, but we got so much other stuff to do that it's just not a priority right now. Yeah. So I would address the first parent with uh, one of the ideas that I've had to kind of help this along is creating parent mentorship groups. And, you know, usually with youth ministry, we tend to focus on the teenagers so much. Mm -hmm. We don't interact with the parents quite enough. And my goal would be that we'd have these mentorships set up where parents who are all doing this discipleship curriculum are meeting together as a group. We come together once a week and we talk through the lesson as the adults. We sit there and say, you know, this is the lesson that we're gonna, you guys are going to be going over this week. Let's talk through it. If you have questions, let's talk about that now. Use it a time in which I can disciple into the parents. We can talk to, I can talk to the parents. They can talk with each other about issues that are going on and create some natural relationships through that as well. 
So that would be how I address that is that coming in those mentorship relationships and that those mentorship groups, we can bounce ideas off of each other. You know, even things like one of the ideas I have for one lesson that I'm getting ready to write is, you know, we're going to talk about Noah's Ark and creation and all those things. Well, the Ark Museum isn't that far from us. So, Mm. you know, if we're going to do that, let's plan a trip together and take a trip as, you know, a church, go up there together and me as a youth pastor take the responsibility of finding a place for them to separate and uh, teach their lesson there right in front of the Ark. You know, doing those type things, I think, would help out with that because, yes, I can understand exactly how complicated the Bible can be sometimes. But I think all it takes is someone like us that has gone through the training and knows how to read those hard things and explaining it in an easier way. I always like to tell people uh, I like to explain everything like how I would understand it when I was 16 because I was an idiot when I was. (laughs) So if I could understand it back then, then anybody can understand it. Yeah, small word. I that that's something that I've struggled with over the years. I've oftentimes been in the middle of a lesson and I look at my wife and she's over there mouthing smaller words, smaller words. <laughs> Trying to explain. I don't think I still don't know what superlapsarianism is. <laughs> it's too complicated for me. I got no idea what that means. I just so. want to preach the gospel. But if yeah. you ever read my doctoral project, you realize very quickly I use small words. I <laughs> I'm dyslexic, so my my words don't go above like two to three syllables. That's fantastic. As long as you hit mayonnaise at least once. That's that's three syllables, right? Unless you're in the South. It's maybe four or five. I don't know. Um, But what about the parent who just... Okay, I I have to word this carefully. Um, I understand this question is worded in a way that acknowledges that the parents do care about their students. They do love their child. So. From our perspective, what about the parent that just doesn't seem like they care about this? Yeah, and I think that's going to be an issue because not only do you have parents who you know might not necessarily want to commit that time, but we also all have students who don't have parents who even have a faith mm. at all. You know, we have a lot of community kids that come to our church, and their parents could care less about church. They're just glad to get rid of their kids. Yeah, in that case, you know, it, it, it's a complicated system. But one of the things I think looks great about the mentorship groups that I'd be doing is that's a natural way for parents to be invited to something with other adults. You know, I truly think that if if you are seeing a cultural difference in your church because of this, people are going to begin to ask, what, what's going on? Like, hey, your kid has been so like I've seen him sharing the gospel with his friends at school and I've heard stories about this or, hey, I saw you two, you know, out at the pond doing a Bible study together. What was that about? And I think it will naturally start sparking conversations there. You know, I think one of the hardest things is convincing a parent, hey, you need to be discipling your kid. Because I think every parent understands that, but it's that time commitment so hard and and the understanding of like, how do I do that? Yeah, I I think I would agree. Um, I know that it can be a challenge in this area, um, specifically for guys like us. And the, the, the qualifier on guys like us is you and I have never had our own teenager in the youth group. Our kids are still babies. Uh, they're young. So we're not, quote unquote, one of them yet. 
Um, now, Rick had probably told you, he told me as well, once your first kid gets into the youth group, it's like you all of a sudden become one of them. <laughs> and it's like a, a switch flips. Um, but for if, if there's a if there's a younger youth pastor out there, youth worker, somebody who's in charge, maybe they're just a volunteer uh, because their church is too small to pay them. Um, but if there's a guy out there who's younger, who either has kids, small kids in the home, no kids, isn't even married for that matter, how would you suggest that they approach this looking at parents who are older than them, who have kids that are older than them, who have this existing perception of, aren't you supposed to be older and wiser than me? And yet I'm the one trying to get you to do this. What would you say to those guys? Yeah, I would say a big thing with that is if you earn the respect of parents, they don't necessarily care how old you are. And, and earning the respect of the parents is something you just have to be so careful of. When I worked one of my first internships, uh, I had a youth pastor that was there. His name was Danny Queeran, and uh, we, we always called him the Pope of Youth Ministry because he was older than Rick, funnily enough, who was my youth pastor. I remember but, uh, Danny. Yeah, he, he'd been <laughs> doing youth ministry for a long time. And one of the things he told me is, uh, you know, parents are your absolute best allies or your worst enemies. Mm. And it's all about how you act. And, uh, you know, through that internship, I, I probably wasn't the best. In, I, I would say I was probably one of the worst interns he ever had. I was immature, acted immature. But uh, I, I slowly started to learn through that experience how important it is to earn the trust of the parents and, and to really make sure that they understand, hey, while I'm the youth pastor, I'm a pastor on staff here. Or, mm -hmm. you know, while I'm just volunteering this aspect, I, I don't want to just focus on the teenagers. I, I want to be there for you too. So earning that respect is probably the biggest thing I would suggest. Uh, and, you know, if, if you're the, the typical youth pastor and you struggle with being organized and, and, and those things, that's probably the biggest way you're going to lose with parents is not being organized with them. And it can be hard, but there's great resources out there to help you get organized. So that would be my main thing of how to approach that when you're younger. Because, you know, I'm only, I just turned 28 years old. So most people look at me and think I'm a young and youngin, and uh, what when they don't think I'm young, it's because of the way I hold myself. You know, I'm I I like to be professional in the office. I always wear dress clothes. I make sure on Sunday that you know I, I don't dress like the teenagers. I dress like an adult that's going to be in the room worshiping God. And and there's a level of respect that I believe needs to be earned. And I think that it gives so much merit to what you're doing then. And so much credibility to so the fact of we've been going through all sorts of change here at my church. And uh, we basically had some pastors that left and uh, did some other things. And the big question became, is Michael going to go with them? Is, is he sticking around? And I decided I'm going to go stand up in the board meeting that our church has and let them know publicly, Hey, God has called me here and called me to serve here. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, and I would um, just to echo that, for those of you listening, um, since I know Michael well enough um, to to understand his heart here, what he's trying to communicate is not putting on a show and and not pr uh, fronting. So as they say, um, it's presenting yourself in a way that lets them know you're taking this seriously. Um, and that's uh, something that hopefully you are on the back end of this. I've gone through it and. I'm still living through it, I guess you could say, but the, the face of youth ministry over the last 20, 30 years has changed from um, the environment is just big fun and the youth pastor is just a glorified babysitter who never grew up out of college 
And now I think it's finally shifting to where people are looking at youth pastors and um, understanding that we're actually here for a reason. Uh, we've we've been called to do this. We are taking it seriously. We are not here to babysit your child uh, so that you can go have date night or get your grocery run in. Um, we're here to help you disciple your students, and I'm taking this seriously. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but that's the whole reason I got a master's degree, so that when I sat down with a church who was considering hiring me, they understood this guy isn't just some glorified babysitter. He's taking this seriously because he put forth the effort to get an extra degree to do this. Um, I was a terrible student. <laughs> High school, college. Um, I did well with the master's, but that's because I had the time at the time to do it. But um, I I didn't want to. I didn't want to keep going, um, but I understood that uh, there's an aspect of this where if I want the parents and the church to take me seriously, then I need to act like I take it seriously, which I do. And so I completely agree uh, with what you're saying, because um, when we present ourselves as sloppy uh, and unorganized uh, and like we don't care, then that's going to be the perception of the ministry that we've been placed in charge of. Uh, and it it really helps to keep you accountable if one of your deacons is also your mechanic and judges you based on the cleanliness of your car. <laughs> so, um, well, hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on today. And I think that there are probably 30 or 40 more aspects of this that we could keep talking about forever. Um, I, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing this curriculum get developed over the course of time. And um and as soon as you're done with it, man, I want to be the first phone call. <laughs> I'll even be your grammar Nazi if you need it. I, I um, need that. So <laughs> you got my email. But hey, um, I appreciate you coming on. So if if somebody wanted to get in touch with you to just pick your brain about this or ask you questions or when it's ready, get the curriculum. Uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? The best way to get in contact with me, I'm still in the beginning stages of really setting up what this is going to look like. Uh, but I've created a Facebook page called Dr. Michael Giroux. Uh, so you can find that there on Facebook. And then I have an email account as well, uh, Michael, Dr. Michael Giroux at gmail.com. So you can reach out to me either one of those ways. And uh, as I continue to develop what this is going to look like, I'll be reaching out to those people. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on today. And uh, hopefully um, we can get some people in touch with you and maybe have you back on again someday. Well, David, I... And very thankful for Michael and Michael's heart when it comes to resourcing parents to be the primary discipler in the home. You know, I in the last, I don't know how many years, we talked about this on the podcast, the youth ministry uh, has turned into a silo ministry uh, to, to a lot of times to where uh, there's not much interaction with parents. You come to church, you drop off your kids. We're almost like a glorified babysitter in some ways. We have yeah. we have fun. We have the light show. We do worship. We do a lesson. And we may have a small groups mixed in there. But a lot of times in a, in a lot of youth ministry cultures, there's not anything when it comes to training and helping parents to be disciple, the disciple their kid. Because in reality, we only have, okay, we only have... We don't have the students for, okay, let's say you meet once a week. Okay, so an hour to an hour and a half, mm -hmm. once a week. Um, you may throw in an activity in there, here and there, but that's it. 
the rest of the week, they are either at school or they're, they're home, and their parents have more opportunities to invest in them than we ever could. They have more opportunities to influence them than we ever could. And, and quite frankly, I, I, I think us as, and I'm speaking myself because I, I failed at this for so many years to where uh, I just, it was just same old, same old, just doing it, investing the students, uh, but not really interacting with parents, not really resourcing them um, and trying to help them in this process and this journey. Uh, and it, and I just, I personally, I didn't learn this until probably a few years ago. Uh, I guess as, as my kids are getting older mm-hmm. and I've seen the value of discipling my own kids, uh, it's kind of poured into how I do youth ministry and how I look at parents now. Because David, I don't know, maybe you can speak into this a little bit too, because I don't know about you, but I think I think a lot of youth pastors see parents as the bad guy. I, I maybe maybe some. I think it might be a little bit more like um, we look at parents as intimidating, and and it could be. And I don't have the stats for this, but it, there's a possibility that part of that that uh, apprehension there is because probably most youth pastors are younger than the parents of the students that they're trying to disciple. And uh, we talked about that uh, a little bit, I know, in the conversation, but um, there is something intimidating about a 20-something, 30-something-year-old youth pastor trying to encourage a 40- to 50-year-old parent to disciple their student. And and we can easily fall into a few traps of thinking like, well, you know, you're like 20 years older than me, you should have this figured out by now, so you're the bad guy because you're failing epically. Um, that, that's a trap we could fall into. Um, but it's a good reminder for us, especially for those of us that have kids that we, we've got to be intentional about discipling our children so that by the time they get to teenage age, we're not the same parent who looks at their teenager and doesn't have a clue what to do with them or how to disciple them. So, um, you know, that's, that's one of those things where just as we, as I listen to Michael talk and uh, just trying to comprehend what that looks like, not just from the youth pastor side of things, but as a parent who has a child in my home that's going to be in my youth group in three to four years, which is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Same um, here, buddy. Same here. You know that that that's a that's it's not like um, it's not like an impossible task or a monumentally tall order, but it is significant because we we have to disciple our own children, but not do it like what you said earlier, like it's a silo. Like we don't do it alone. We don't do it by ourselves. We don't do it off in a corner. We we do it together with other people and, and we resource each other. And I think, you know, one of this thing one of the things that this really hits home with for us is um, what Michael was driving at is really the the command in scripture for the elders and the overseers of the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. In our case, in youth ministry, that's us equipping parents for the work of discipling their students. So, and and then with our youth leaders as well, which if they're parents, that just makes it even more fun because um, we get to rub shoulders with them more often. So, I think uh, hopefully this is this is helpful. It'll spur you on. Um, it'll in- encourage those of you who are trying to figure out what to do. It'll maybe put another resource in your pocket. Um, we'll try to get some information down in the show notes so that you can find Michael online. Um, and he'll be able to help you out. So, uh, if you've uh, if you've missed us, thank you. Uh, we missed you last. Uh, the last episode was supposed to come out. We missed doing that, and uh, we're glad we're back. We're glad we're healthy. Uh, my whole family's healthy, which is a miracle. 
uh, in and of itself. But um, if you have been listening to us, either if you're a new listener or, or a longtime listener, um, we are appreciating uh, your listenership, if that's the right word. <laughs> Um, and if you haven't yet, please uh, take time to go on your podcast platform. If it allows you to leave a comment, star review, uh, just to keep us near the top of the search results so that we can deliver solid youth ministry content to people who are looking for it. Uh, and again, if there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover on the podcast that we haven't hit yet or something we need to rehash because COVID has ruined everything and we have to retool, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can either connect with us on our uh, Facebook page the Youth and Culture uh, podcast page, or you can join the Youth and Culture Facebook group. And uh, we're also part of the RFP network of podcasts. I think there's 11 total now. Um, so there's other different areas of ministry as well that some of these guys are talking um, for ministry in, in the RFP network of podcasts. So feel free to uh, check those out at rfpnetwork.org. And uh, we are looking forward to the next time we get to drop an episode and interact with you guys. We'd love to interact with you on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, and uh, look forward to the next time we get together. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode.